Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I'm joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, I'm coming in hot off of uh, what turned out to be kind of a red-eye plane ride back from South Florida. Well, the West Coast, you know that plane, that plane funk, you know that plane funk you could gather? Oh, you've got plane funk. I've got, so we got home about 2.30, 2.45 in the morning. It was wash the face, wash some regions, you know, get back to put on, put on a clean pair of, you know what, and get to bed and wake up and do it again. So you are getting me in the raw, Brandon. I'm hopeful that you're a little cleaner than I am, but, but, uh, but you're glowing. You look good. How are you? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, I'm coming off of, you know, a birthday bash. So, you know, it's it's a little bit of a uh, an early morning for me, too. But, hey, you know, we're here. We're doing the show for the people. And, man, I'm I'm fired up and ready to, to talk uh, Seahawks draft day moves. Oh, I love it. I love it. And uh, and happy birthday. Did, did I miss it while I was on while, while I was away? Did that I was yesterday. Miss- Oh well, happy birthday to you! I I apologize that number forty two, I believe. But if I if I got my See, you have the year down, but yes. the, the date escapes you. Thanks. Yes. Well, you, that's you a, just a, outed a, my age in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, it's out there. Yeah, <laughs> Zuckerberg knows exactly how old you are, and so does Bezos. We we all know. But happy uh, birthday to you, man! True. That's that's awesome. Happy to uh, happy to be continuing the birthday celebration on the, the long weekend for you. Then. That's awesome. Yeah. And yes, today's topic, which you did a masterful job putting putting some things together, is kind of these these draft day, I would call them like, almost like heroes and zeros, right? Some some draft day moves that 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 our hawks have made throughout the years. And, you know, in in traditional three in, three out style, we're gonna go through the the insides of the ledger, the outsides, the good, the bad, the ugly, and maybe we'll find a couple of nooks and crannies in there. Although, Brandon, I must say, as we get going. A lot of these things are not nooks nor crannies. A lot of these are some big honking, like, holy crap, did you, did you realize type Seahawks moments? That was one of the things researching this for me. And the thing that we're going to be talking about today are the Seahawks best and worst moves on draft day. So it can't just be a trade that resulted in draft picks, you know, like trading away Joey Galloway for a, you know, a couple of first rounders to the Cowboys. That was a good trade. It worked out well. We got Sean Alexander out of the deal. But this is this is narrowing it down to to the nooks and crannies of draft day only. So uh, there's that dynamic to it. And yeah, there's a couple of these where going back and looking at it, I was a little bit surprised to know that uh, some of the moves that went into some of the selections for the Seahawks on draft day. There's some Hall of Famers on this list. There's some Ring of Honor members. There's guys who should be in the Hall of Fame and Ring of Honor. So it's a, it's an interesting group of people and I'm fired up to get into it, Clinton. Yeah, me as well. And and, and you framed up quite nicely as we work through these, these ins and outs, you're going to, you know, we're not going to give away the ghost here, but you're going to, you, you teased it. You're going to hear some of these names be like, whoa, I didn't realize that those are really tied to draft day, but boy, oh boy, where are they? So, so I, I'm good to go as well, Brandon, is there, you know, it's your birthday. So why don't I defer to the birthday boy? And if there's, if there is an in, uh, that you want to start out with, the, the the banger of all bangers that you feel you want to bring out to the table, why don't you do the honors? All right. Well, this is, see, you're making this difficult on me because actually the <laughs> first choice off the board is one of the most difficult because there's, there's a couple Hall of Famers to choose from, but I am going to go with Walter Jones Ooh, yes. because yeah. he, you know, Seahawks Hall of Famer, one of the best to play the position on the offensive line. And, uh, Quaternion from Field Goals posted in the comments 
says, I'm going to go with the Seahawks' best draft day trade as being 1997 when they traded number 12 overall and a third rounder to the Buccaneers in exchange for the number six overall pick, then used it on Walter Jones. Quaternion goes on to say, for what it's worth, the Buccaneers didn't come out of that trade too badly as they turned two picks into Warwick Dunn, who, you know, all-time running back, and Frank Middleton, who was a guard who started 92 games. So in terms of their career value, as Pro Football Reference lays it out, two really good players, but, you know, Walter Jones, Hall of Fame left tackle, four-time All-Pro. It, it's just, it doesn't compare. And also, the if you look at the draft value chart that was supposedly developed by Jimmy Johnson, the Seahawks only giving up a third round pick to move up six spots to get Jones is kind of a steal because according to the the chart that Johnson developed, you would need to trade a mid second round pick to make that move. And, and they got away with an early third. So it was a, a nice deal in that regard. And Walter Jones, an all timer for Seattle. I love it. And it, it, that was that was on my top three. It just kind of had to be. Uh, wasn't my number one, which, which I'm excited about to share next. However, the piece that you 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 kind of uh, you know got to at the end there about the going from 12 to six, but only giving up. Okay, albeit an early third, we'll probably talk about some early thirds a little bit later. I think at least at least I know I'd like to. But with that, I looked at it and said I was like I was trying to think back. I'm like, wow, was this an era where you didn't have to give up that much to move up? You know, 12 to six. But I'm glad you bring up the Jimmy Johnson thing because it was kind of escaping me. I just can't remember like. Do, are they valued? Is that kind of jump valued more now than it was then? And then I did a little bit more research and I'm like, you know, and, you know, I was like, okay, Walter Jones was from Florida State. I'm like, I'm racking my brain be like, no, no, he played at a big school, right? I'm like, yeah, Florida State. I'm like, well, was there any other tackles there that were like absolute can't misses or we'd see the first tackle off the board? Well, turns out the first pick was Orlando Pace, right? right? So, so I'm like, all right, well, maybe there was just something there that's like, well, Orlando Pace is the guy and this Jones guy's, you know, we know he's really good, but Walter Jones was, was an all-timer at FSU as well. So to me, that, that one stood out and you nailed it with the idea that only giving up a third and the 12th to move up to get, to get him is mwah, chef's kiss. So <laughs> great. Lo- love the start. I think we, we said we'd stick with ins. Is that correct, yeah, let's, let's snake through the ins and then we'll move okay. over to the outs. All right. Okay. So I've got one here that you actually put into the notable section, but we're talking, we're talking, you know, you started out with the, with the all-time banger hall of famer, Walter Jones. Now we're going to get to someone that ought to, you know, probably should make the hall of fame, probably will make the hall of fame. You know, sometimes it's not how you start and it's how you finish. And that, that might be a little bit dicey. And I'm alluding to the fact that in 2009, uh, the Seahawks were bad. They were 5 and 11 in 2009, but they still had the wherewithal to trade a second round pick in 09 after being really bad. You know, you're, you're in rebuild mode. This is like Hasselback, all banged up, Seneca Wallace playing lots of quarterback that year, things like that. And they trade the second rounder that year, a pretty significant one, for Broncos next year, 2010 first rounder, the number 14 selection, and they take Earl Thomas which was the start of the LOB era. The thing that stands out for me, Brandon, is, man, the, I mean, you can't, it's not like the horse sense, like you're not, you're not predicting we're going to go get Earl Thomas a year from now, but the, the notion that you could jettison a second rounder in what was, in what was already a rebuild year to take a next year first rounder on a Broncos team that was eight and eight in 2009. So you didn't know which way that was really going to go. 
And that that ended up being Earl Thomas. So I was like, for me, with all those factors, that was my number one. And I, I love that trade. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones. And I, I put it a little bit lower down in in the, the document that I put together because it it spanned a couple of years. But it was a move that they did make on the second day of, uh, well, I guess it was still first day when in 2009, right, when you did the first and second round together. But yes, they, right, they made the move. And then it was just for a future pick. This is one of my favorites, too, because Alfonso Smith, uh, I, I don't know if he really even played in the league, apart from maybe uh, I, the first year with the Broncos. But, you know, here's the, the Broncos getting a relative nobody. And yet we turn it around and get Earl Thomas, who helps lead the team to a Super Bowl. I mean, he was really good in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and his dancing will live on forever, of course. But as an NFLer, Alfonso just just didn't hit. So and and of course, for us, too, that really is the beginning of the LOB. Like he's the first chip to to come into place that became the LOB, that became the you know, that became the Super Bowl champions, that became the back to back Super Bowl appearances. So for me, that was that was that's a that is a keystone trade and, and like a wowzer for me being like, man, what a. It worked out beautifully. And, and again, you know, wiz- wizardry at the GM spot. What can we say? And who knows how it would have turned out if it was Jim Moore Jr. making that pick who, you know, it was that regime that decided to trade the second round pick. Oh, and wow. then it was Pete yeah. Carroll who was and, you know, was able to take advantage of that move the following year and pick Earl Thomas, a year where everybody Ooh. was saying that he should take Taylor May is out of USC. And instead he takes Earl Thomas. That's right. And we, I let out saying that, oh, this is all about Hall of Famers and would-be Hall of Famers, and it's not really going to be traditional three-in nooks and crannies. However, it's the crannies within the nooks there, right? The fact that the Jim Mora era <laughs> era <laughs> ends after one year and, and Pete gets this windfall. And, and what does he do? He goes, he goes and gets a, you know, a defensive back and, all, and a really great safety, which, uh, which is what Pete's going to do, which excellent stuff there. So well, I know you got one more in with you, man. What, what's your what's your next take? Ooh, see, now that we're we're down to the final in, this makes it difficult because, gosh, yes. you have yes. the trade up for DK Metcalf here recently. You have uh, going back to 1980. If you want to look at the mm-hmm. the move up for Jacob Green, one of the best pass rushers in Seahawks history and a Ring of Honor guy, you got Tyler Lockett still on the board. They traded up in the third round, and he's going to be a, a member of the Seahawks for a long time. But I have to go with another Hall of Famer, Cortez Kennedy. And Ooh, Frank Raines, he posted on Field Goal, says, Recency bias would give the nod to our selection of DK Metcalf. But as I recall, we made a draft day move when we acquired Cortez Kennedy. If my memory is indeed correct, then that's my vote. And says, Tez is hands down the best draft day move in Seahawks history. Quaternion breaks it down and says, the Patriots picks now they didn't they got some good picks yeah. out of this deal. They end up taking four players, Chris Signalton, Ray Agnew, Jimmy Jones and David Rocker. And those combined on defense for them, it added up to quite a few sacks and tackles and probably eclipsed what Cortez was able to get. But Cortez was essentially able to do in one body what all four of those bodies took. Uh, the Seahawks also got Terry Wooden out of the deal, yes. an outstanding player as well on the defensive side. So also noted in this, an assist on the trade has to go to the Cowboys and Cardinals as the three overall pick would have been five overall, except the Cowboys and Cardinals both used up their picks in the previous year's supplemental draft to take Steve uh-huh. Walsh and Tim Rosenbach. 
Wow. Yeah, so it's, wow. it's kind of interesting there, but the Seahawks then able to move up to number three and get Cortez Kennedy. Wow, Steve Walsh. And I love all this too, because this, I'm sure there's listeners out there, Corbin, looking at you over there in Alaska, bud, that are like, they're like, what the hell's a supplemental draft? <laughs> like, why, why would you give up picks to not have pick? You know, why would you pick somebody? What kind of draft is this sub draft thing that, that did happen, right? So when I looked at that too, quickly for me, it was like, you know, Tez is an all timer. That's like the second jersey I think I ever had, maybe the third jersey I ever had. And, you know, all-time favorite, love, love the dude coming from the U, right? Just a, just a, just a bombastic player blowing things up and probably underrated because he spent his whole career out, out in the Pacific Northwest. Glad to see he got in the hall of fame and, and left, left the earth way too soon. And the Terry Wooden piece. I remember growing up really liking Terry Wooden. And oh, I yeah. went back and looked, I'm like, this guy played 120 games for us. Like that's another good player. So I think he's love, probably yeah. in terms of tackles on the team. You know, it's Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, you know, Lofa. Oh, there's another linebacker up there too. Keith, uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Hmm. I, w- I, went to, I went to high school with a guy named Keith Kelsky. He played linebacker and he could hit. <laughs> I don't think it was Keith. I don't think, I think it was Kelsky. No, yeah, no. I don't think uh, it was Kelsky. See if the chat room can get it. But uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it, uh, that's, uh, that's okay. We're not, we're not pull, pulling that right now. But he's up there. Uh, what I'm getting at <laughs> is, is Terry Wooden. He's right up there. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't, and, and my boyhood memories serve, remember that well, serve it well. I was like, this, this guy could ball, which is, which is quite nice. I know usually at this market, we like to, to open it up to, uh, to others who might be in the chat, but guide me here, Brandon. I definitely have one more in. I'd love to lob in. However, I could also hold it and bring in some folks if there are Seahawkers out there that want to, want to join in. Yeah. Why don't you roll that out there and we'll, we'll make the invite open so that way people can come in and, and we can take some comments here. As as soon as you wrap up with your all right, good. Well, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it pithy, and I'll, this is a bit of a brand in for the for the for the birthday boy here. You mentioned it earlier. Like I really do love the Tyler Lockett move, and I, I understand there's recency bias baked into that. And and again, this is three in three out. So got to give the love to Tez. What stood out for me with the Tyler Lockett move is we actually gave up a lot. You know, like in the era of John Schneider, where it's the Pokemon got it, got to catch them all, got to collect all the draft picks. I went back and I was like, wow, I think this, yeah. So this is the, the artist formerly known, known as the skins, the third, the fourth, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth to go from basically the 95 slot. So late third to early third round to 69 to go get Lockett. So that's, that's quite a haul to move up within, within intra round, if you will. And I remember when they made the selection, it was like, oh, you know, you're getting a you're getting a nice back from Kansas State. He's he's not exactly a burner. He's you know, he's he's got good pedigree with his father, et cetera, et cetera. But it was kind of a okay, that's that's kind of a safe pick, and you gave up a lot to go get Lockett. And then turns out, you know, six years six years in now, third contract in, Lockett is going to end up being when it's all said and done a very beloved, uh, you know, uh, very much up there all time Seahawk, and maybe maybe even more, especially if you can go help us get a chip. Yeah, I I had a hard time not picking Tyler Lockett too. He just he was just on the on the borderline, but I mean he's going to be a guy who I would expect to be you know a Ring of Honor type player for the Seahawks, and especially after this next contract and the, the numbers we're going to start to see him put up historically compared to some of the other receivers. But let's take a quick break, and we will come back and get those of you who are in the locker room app involved in the conversation as well. If you're listening to this through the Field Goals podcast feed and you have an iOS device, you can download the Locker Room app. Follow me at C Hakra, 
and you can come in. You can get notified when we're going live, so that way you can be a part of the show. And you can get some of the bonus stuff that doesn't make the final show as well. So check that out, LockerRoom.app. This is our live episode of 3 In, 3 Out. You can follow along on Twitter. Follow Clinton at Clinton Bon. You can follow me at SeahawkersPod. And if you want to join in on the Locker Room app, LockerRoom.app at Seahawker to follow me. And we are getting you involved. Those of you who joined us live, you want to come in, raise your hand and have something to say. Let's kick things off with Corbin, who's got his hand up first. Corbin, welcome back on. Thanks. So, um, quick question. Do you guys think that Tyler Lockett is a Hall of Famer? Uh, I'll, I'll go quickly. No, no. He's the, it's the Hall of Fame for me. I'm, I'm very uh, traditional when, when it comes to things in terms of Hall of Fame and those kind of upper, really super upper echelon or the most echelon of echelons there, Corbin. So, no, not a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, Receiver's hard to make it, too, in Hall of Fame. I, you've had guys, I mean, it took Tim Brown forever to make right. it into the Hall of Fame. And I mean, you see other guys who you would think are first ballot that they take two or three years and man, uh, Tory Holt, I don't think is in the Hall of Fame still. Yeah. Yeah. Your name is some dudes there, Brandon, that, that are just like that when you, when immediately when you think of them, I'm like Tim Brown, especially like, man, that guy, th- 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 that guy was the definition of, of a, you know, a decade long Hall of Famer, in my opinion, it took him forever. So Corbin, for me, no, I mean, Hey, but also like, you know, Tyler, if you're listening, like his career's nowhere near over, right? Tyler, Tyler Lockett could go on a four to five year streak here, put up his best numbers ever with, with the, in the Waldron, Shane, the main brain offense. And then maybe it's a different conversation, but Corbin, what's up? Oh, all, go, 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 yeah. Go. If he puts up maybe three all pro seasons where, right. you know, he's looked at the, as one of the best receivers in the league, then I think that that's what it would take. But, and he does have the one all pro from the rookie year when, he made it for special teams, but he's going to have to do more as a receiver. Yeah, I agree. And Corbin, did did you have a take on that? I think that it's no at the current moment, but after the season, it's a good time to reevaluate because we don't know how he's going to play under Shane Waldron's offensive scheme. He could boom and knock all the haters off, <laughs> or he could bust. Oh, I. I mean, what about the what about the the scary middle ground of him just being really really good again? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 might happen too. But I am I'll, I'll say this to Corbin for sure. I'm extremely excited to see what Lockett can do in in a different different uh, offensive scheme where it's not just the the three vertical the three the three vertical four vertical, and it is more things that lend themselves better to dudes who who are more like say like a Doug Baldwin. You know, lend themselves more to a guy like like Tyler Lockett, who are extremely polished route runners who can can really uh, shine even brighter in in a in a system like that. So I think there's upside. I'm not saying there's not upside. Hall of Fame is strong, but hey, listen, if we if we if if Lockett could go on to have another great year and maybe record setting year for the Seahawks, and he positions himself as a as a Ring of Honor candidate uh, later on in his career, like all good things. Where do I sign? I just I think he's yeah. going to have a hard time even getting to 10,000 yards based on where he's at in his career with what he has now. It, it'll be a stretch, but it's possible. Good. How many does he have in his career? I, I want to say that he's right around the 5,000 area right now. So mm-hmm. just in terms of his age and I mean, we don't know how long he's yeah. going to play, but 
you know, to put together a Steve Largent type career. I, I think he's a little slow out of the gate. Yeah. What about DK? Do you think that he's going to eventually become a Hall of Famer, like evolve into an uh, even better receiver? He's the one that I think has the the, the best chance yes. for the Seahawks' second wide receiver to make a Hall of Fame. And that's and because he has come out of the gate strong and being paired with Russell Wilson and you know, I, I just think that and all the combinations of of uh, size, strength, speed that he has, I think he could pull that all together if he can stay healthy long term and, you know, and continue to put the numbers up that he has the last couple seasons. I think he could do it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he's the kind that he's the kind that could be. I know I know these these are the obvious um, the obvious uh, comparisons, but. The, the Megatrons, the Andre Johnsons, like that, that that's, he's there. Like it, it, if he could continue doing what he's doing and, and only accelerate, uh, as, as he even gets better with his craft. Yeah. I, I had the list when you, when you started it, Brandon, I was like, you know what? There are on, on the whole thing, two hall of famers, two definites, one strong possibility, one talent is there. And that was DK and one dude who could, who could sneak in, um, uh, who didn't talk, we, you hinted at earlier, all on this whole tr- uh, draft draft day maneuver maneuvering, and DK was one for me. That's like, yeah, the talent is absolutely there. And uh, yeah, listen, wouldn't it be just glorious if about thirteen years from now he's he's hanging up hanging it up as a Seahawk and it, and he's a no doubter? That that would be a good thing. Yeah. Why don't we move on to Jalen Engel, who wants to come into the chat? Excellent, Jalen, welcome on. I kind of wanted to hop in on this. Tyler Lockett Hall of Fame question because I think that his stats are not gonna rack up to be a Hall of Fame level and I think that being in the Pacific Northwest is also kind of a like a negative because it's not in one of those mega markets but in terms of DK he had the narrative coming into his NFL career that's just gonna if he does perform it was gonna explode right off the bat and now that he is performing and if he hits that 2k mark that we were talking about last week (laughs) i think it's just gonna i think it's just gonna explode even more so i think you know dk if he can continue on the path that he's on will be a no doubt first ballot yeah and i think even with tyler you can make a case to bring in some of those special team stats too shoot you had Patriots fans out there trying to make a case for Julian Edelman based on his uh, his playoff numbers, and everybody's saying, "Well, calm down, Patriots fans. Your receiver is really, really good, but you know he's no Hall of Famer, right?" Yeah, I feel he goes in the hall, the hall of very good, also, right? That's and that was one that that was coming to mind too. My brother's a huge Patriots fan, and he's and he's like, you know, Edelman's a Hall of Famer, and you have to t- consider. You have to consider the, the the clutch and 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 the the playoffs, and you know what? You you do you yeah. do have to take those things in for sure. And so I have to be, you know, I have to be honest with it and say, if a dude like Edelman, in my opinion, is not a Hall of Famer, very, very good, uh, retired Patriot, all the rings, all the glory, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Lockett to me is just not going to be there either again, but he's still, he's still a pretty young man. He's on his third contract. So go prove us all wrong. And DK, Jalen, you know, DK, 2K, it's all there. It's all before him. And he's paired with an all-timer quarterback. Brandon, what you said earlier, right? So that's if he's he's gonna evolve into his prime while the while his quarterback is still in his prime. I mean, that's it is set up for that dude to to have a to have a monster career and uh we which which makes that that draft day trade, you know, that much better. 
Right. Uh, so just quick, while we're on the Hall of Fame topic and special teams, do you guys think Devin Hester gets in? I think he does. I I would like to see that happen. And I mean, it's very rare to see even a punter or a kicker get in. But when you have the guy who was at the top for so long, even when you're talking punters and kickers, those are the guys that make it in. So I, I think that Devin Hester has to make it in. All right, he's got it. He's got to. If prime time, if prime time can get in, just on of his special teams alone, I think Devin Hester's got it. Well, I gotta, I gotta wait. When you say prime time, are you talking Dion? Oh yeah, Dion was good defensively too. But I'm just saying, you know, if you split up Dion into a just special teams Dion and just defense Dion, that's two different Hall of Fame careers right there. Oh, okay, okay. Now, now, now I get what you're saying. Okay, I was about, I was about to jump through the screen here and be like, wait a second, did you watch? <laughs> did you watch him as a cornerback? Um, but no, no, I agree. Like if, if, if Dion didn't play corner, then I would still be in favor of Dion, the special teamer also making the hall of fame. So with that, yeah, man, Hester's Hester's the best who ever did it. Right. So like, you know, football is a game of, of a bunch of specialists, right? You got some dudes that are 360 pounds and other dudes that are like, you know, 190 to 205 and they're all working, working in unison on the field at the same time. It's not Devin Hester's fault that that he specialized in that and was the best ever to do it, right? So you have your best ever field goal kickers, your best ever punters. He's the best ever kickoff slash punt returner guy. To me, he's a no-brainer. That guy has to be in the Hall of Fame. He's the best to ever do it for what what he was asked to go do. And I agree, Dion should get two busts. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about Devin Hester, former all-time great Seahawks uh, yes. returner <laughs> uh, but you know just to throw some other stats in here he was a guy that made two usually if you make one all decade team you're going to be a lock for the hall of fame he made the all 2000s team and the all 2010s team so he was on two all decade teams he was a three-time all pro and four-time pro bowler so i he's got to get in yeah um so he might when, not when get I'm... in first ballot but yeah or when our he... votes come in when our votes come in the mail though you know when, <laughs> right. when they finally give us a, a choice uh, they'll be loud and clear. So we'll, we'll, we'll check the box for, uh, for Devin Hester for sure. All right, Clinton, what do you say we get into some of these draft day stinker trades? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, let's rotate to those. So, so these, so this was a little bit more difficult for me because it was a little bit less analytical and more emotional. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's what was coming up for me. And I was, I was trying my best to remove the emotion, but you know, at the end of the day, it turns out I'm, I'm an emotional guy, Brandon. So they, uh, <laughs> So I'll, I'll take the first, the first lump here, the first L. Um, I'm not going to go to the one that you probably think I'm going to go to. That one, not one, not one quite yet. There's an However, obvious one. There's the, well, for me, right? You know me, so there's an obvious one for me. <laughs> However, there, there's also one that just gets, just boils the skin, pisses me off every time I think about this guy, and it's because of drops in Super Bowl Forty. Right? right. So when I'm staring down at trading down for Jeremy Stevens, so 2002 tight end, Jeremy Stevens, great looking prospect, really the kind of the, the era of like the, the move tight end, like the, to, you know, a Tony Gonzalez type and, and, and a, a very supposedly dynamic tight end that was going to be that, that other receiver in, in the West coast offense that was being built by Holmgren at the time. Stevens really never lived up to it. He ended up having a pretty okay career, went to the Bucks for a while, but his stinker in Super Bowl 40, him dropping at least, I know one touchdown, but dropping other passes that were just beauties by Hasselback. And then when we pile that up and say, you know, you did a nice job here, 
They trade down. They miss out on Ed Reed. So a you know, Hall, of, Hall of Famer Ed Reed. And the Packers, with the pick, took Javon Walker. Yeah. So another really, really good Javon Walker. He was good. Yeah, by the way. But let's talk about Hall of Fame guys like back in the day. Like Javon Walker, to me, is if I, if I compare them to like a Tyler Lockett, Javon Walker was a darn good football player for a really long time. So this one stood out to me, and I just... I can't I can't shake my my hate for Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, Walker had some injuries that kind of hampered his career, but uh, a Pro Bowl wide receiver. And you think about you know just how you know, how different the Seahawks offense would have looked with Javon Walker lining up instead of Jeremy Stevens when you go to the Super Bowl. Or imagine how different that 2005 defense. And I think about how bad the safety play was in that Super uh. Bowl in 2005. And if you had Ed Reed on the defensive side of the ball paired with Lofa Tatupu and the fact that they traded down to get Jeremy Stevens and yeah, they didn't really get much out of that. I know my hindsight pick would go toward picking Ed Reed. And I would think that Holmgren would have just, you know, he would have known, but yeah. who knows, who knows what they would have done with it. But yeah, Jerry, I know what you mean about the emotions, and obviously, with the emotions, Jeremy Stevens jumps out. <laughs> yeah, and a couple things very quickly, very quickly come up for me. I was thinking Donald Driver when I was thinking about Javon Walker. Javon Walker, good, good player. Donald Driver, great, great, you know, great wide receiver who I think uh, who I think deserves more kudos in that in that offense in the same era. And then, and then, you know, when you talk about bad safety play. The thing, do you remember like the whole talk track leading up to like, what, what was Pittsburgh known for? What was the thing you had to watch out for with that Steelers team? Do you remember? Oh gosh. I, all I remember from that Super Bowl is hearing about how Jerome Bettis was from Detroit every day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the true fact. Well, I'll, I'll refresh real quick. It was all about, you have to watch the trick play. Mm. They ran, they ran like they like successfully ran like 10 trick plays that year. Uh, you know, basically flea flicker type stuff. And then lo and behold, like here comes the Super Bowl. You know, like uh, as much as the refs stunk and they and they stunk. And as much as Jeremy Stevens dropped up, dropped the touchdown pass and other passes, and he stunk and they did. The end of the day, they let up a 75-yard run to Willie Parker and a flea flicker touchdown where the safety just bit. So right. you know, so my my emotions are running high, Brandon. Take take this thing away and take <laughs> go somewhere else and stink. Well, that was please. the reason why Ben Roethlisberger didn't even get the, a, a thought toward MVP. It was Heinz Ward because Ben didn't even throw the touchdown on that flea flicker Correct. play. It was uh, otherwise uh, who was it? Randall L. Was or? It, I think it was Antoine Randall L. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, and that was that's and and also the fact that oh I don't know uh, on the first uh, quote unquote touchdown of the game Roethlisberger didn't come within like a half a yard of scoring, but. <laughs> And they That's reviewed right. it in somehow, some way, it's still a touchdown. So I don't, I, I need to get out of this, this hole, Brandon, take, take us somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's go all the way back, way back in the time, in the Seahawks time machine, because in 1977, the Seahawks, 76, it wasn't a good year. They, <laughs> they weren't the worst team, but they were the second worst team. And so they got the second overall pick. Fun fact, the Seahawks have never had the first overall draft pick unless you consider the draft day movie with Kevin Costner, which they <laughs> traded out of that first re overall pick. But uh, <laughs> the 1977, uh, the second overall pick, they traded away to the Cowboys who select Tony Dorsett. Aheno Barras on field goals says Dan McGuire has to be our worst ever draft pick, but our worst ever draft move was sending the second overall pick to the Cowboys in 1977. 
that they used to draft Tony Dorsett. Steve August wasn't bad, but to give the Cowboys one of their legendary players is a hard pill to swallow. We did finally get them back with the Joey Galloway trade that got us Sean Alexander, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. Great, great comment. And and this and 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 this is a franchise making move, you know. And when it all shakes, the Seahawks got pretty good fairly quickly, right? So come into the league in 76, had some competitive teams in the early 80s, quite quite good teams, right? So so they they were able to get get going as an organization fairly quickly. But this is this is one that that's especially like in 1977, where like all right, if it's if it's 2021 and you're trading out of a two and somebody comes up and takes a running back at two, it's going to be like, hmm, it just doesn't happen that often. Right now, it's all about the quarterback or some offensive tackle. But like in this era of football, like the the can't miss running back that you that you just pass on that that's that is that's an interesting one to look back on. And Steve August, he's probably still the best right tackle in Seahawks history in terms of the the number of games that he played and. And what he meant for the team. So it before my time of watching Seahawks football, but uh, it just it, it kind of goes to show you some of the struggles that they've had at right tackle over the years. Yeah, that that's that's a funny that's a funny thing too. It's like, and, and I guess if you're going to struggle at one of your tackles, let it be let it be your right tackle. Although um, thinking back, we had Jim Zorn who would who was two through the ball left handed. Oh, so that's interesting. Right. Yeah, so he, the the right tackle would have been the more important Correct. tackle for for Zorn. Yeah, so that's so that that although that been, was you know, even before we started talking about protecting the player's blind side, it really wasn't until uh, well, the know, movie, the movie when the movie came out and Sandra Bullock really showed the world. <laughs> right, but that's when the blind side became a thing. So thank you. That's right. Thank it wasn't to, even a thing before Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah, thank you to Harvey Keitel. Thank you to Keanu. That bus. I mean, thank God they all made it off. And Sandra Bullock and and with Stallone as a cop, it all worked out. Thank you, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> All right, who are you going to pick for? I I know who you're going to pick now for for the the final out. I am gonna I am gonna throw a, a wrench, a curveball. So everybody here that that knows me a little bit, you you know you know the one that I you think I'm going to take. I'm actually going to go to the year previous. So instead of the 2018, I won't even throw shade on the guy. He's still on the team. I want him to be good. I'm going to go to 2017 and trading down for Malik McDowell. Now, this is not because Malik McDowell did something pretty, you know, just I, the thing is like, I have so much empathy for, I could see a young man out on quads thinking that he's like on top of the world, having fun with his dudes, who's, who's just gotten drafted by, by a good organization. And then in like 30 seconds, just being in such despair, probably thinking, you know, my life as I know it is over. And if, in fact, it was right. Just and that's an accident. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on Malik, Malik McDowell or the pick because who knows the dude might have turned out to be a really good player. But it is when you listed the dudes they they didn't take as they as they went back you know to, to back in the draft. Right. And you have Tre'Davious White, T.J. Watt. You got Ramcheck. You got Buda Baker. You got Dalvin Cook. Right. So. Yeah, and, all positions and, 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 that the Seahawks probably could have used. Buda Baker may be the correct. exception because, you know, Cam did just resign a deal and and maybe you don't see you know adding a third safety to that group. But oh yeah, but what a what, what a talent though. And, yeah. and and it's not it's not like they didn't know about Buda Baker up up in the PNW, right? So like 
uh, you know, and actually, and the Falcons took uh, McKinley with that pick, and and Takaris is it's turned into a fine yeah, player okay. too. So yeah. yeah, he's okay. It's just it's just a there's there's such a laundry list of dudes that that we just passed up on. So no shade on Malik McDowell. I hope the dude ends up having you know some some, some whatever the best life you can go have at post injury that stinks. But man, oh man, that is a laundry list of folks we missed out on. So for that, I'm saying that's that's the other one that that gets me. Well, and the other part that goes into this, too, is I, I feel like the writers at Field Goals for years will be documenting the chain reaction impact that that move had on the team. Because, yeah, you, you mentioned that it's an accident, but then now having to make up for that by giving up a second round pick to trade for Sheldon Richardson not mm, signing right. him to a long-term deal. You know, you have a one-year rental for Clowney after that as you're trying to at least hold the defensive line together as you have injuries with Cliff Averill in 2017 and Michael Bennett ends up getting traded after the season. So it's it was it, that 2017, if you, if you look at the defensive line that could have been going into 2017 and then everything that happened within 2017 mm. in terms of injuries and it went from you thinking that this defensive line for the Seahawks could be outstanding for three, four more years to come to having to patch things together and make it work. And we're still kind of feeling that here in 2021 is they're kind of, you know, they they've tried yeah. to fill it with draft picks, but you know, they, they haven't been able to find the guy after letting Frank Clark go then too. And, yep. and it's yep. just, it hasn't been the same since. Yeah. That's an interesting, you know, the, the Ash, the Ashton Kutchering butterfly effect there that, that really is a, it, it, the the very very interesting dominoes that I, I didn't I didn't carry forward as well and that's that that's quite a it, it, we really have not recovered and I think it's maybe a nice place to land it to say well I, I do feel real strongly about this current crop this mix of vets that they're compiling now for this year's D line we didn't talk at all about uh, Aldon Smith Alden Smith um, I was I was away while while they got signed. I love that. I love the idea of um, of bringing in a vet, and I love the idea of Smith having what was it, four, Brandon? Four years off? Was it four years that that he didn't play in the league? I believe it was. So, it was about that long. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking in terms of like how much wear and tear is on that body. Um, I mean, it's probably not not nearly as much as a dude who's played at this time. You know, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine years it would have been at this point. So I like what we've done. I just hope we're not entering a, a 2017 all over again where it's like oh man we are set up for for a couple of years of success and it and that year it was kind of like a Thanos snap and it was it was all gone so but I, I like where we're, where we're trending this year um you know how, how do you how do you look at that when you look at what we're doing right now to, to gear up for 21 versus where we were at in 17 I I just have to compare it to last year and, and well, addressing true. the defensive line they they took so long to do it last year and this year I I actually feel that now they have some pieces and you can still even go into the draft and find a guy who maybe slips to you and and be like, OK, well, I, I'll have to figure out who to move on from. But let's save that decision for later and see where the competition plays out. And, you know, maybe even a guy like Alton Smith doesn't stick around. And because you have a rookie that you really like or Daryl Taylor is able to to show hmm. up to training camp and he's knocking people's socks off. And, and so there's. I, I I like having depth at defensive line, and I I feel like they have that now, and I'm glad they addressed it to this point. So yeah, the Smith is just I think a little bit of gravy to this offseason and getting Carlos Dunlap and and re-signing Benson Mayo, getting Kerry Hyder. Yeah, I, it, it's going to be a bit of a freak show in a good way when it's like you know let's say you know a lot of times with the Seahawks too, Brandon. It's like 
It's those third and eights, those third and elevens, those third and twelves, where we just where the somehow the team can move the chain on us, and we're and we're sitting there frustrated with like you know why why couldn't we get to the quarterback? And this year, I just I'm very hopeful when it's like you could bring in a fresh a fresh Smith on you know on third down or a very fresh Mayoa and say you got one job you know it's third and eleven go go get that dude who who, wear, who wears the uh you know wears the red helmet during during uh spring training right. And, and, and that is, I think is going to be a big time difference maker. I, I don't know if there's a prop bet out there available for the, the over unders on sacks, but that is something I want to, I want to you know, check out maybe a future episode with you. Yeah. We could talk over under on sacks. You know, I have to go back though and applaud you for your restraint to not go Rashad Penny when, I mean, you know, Calvin Ridley was a guy that they could have taken if they would have stayed put in 2018, Nick Chubb, the obvious pick Darius yeah. Leonard. You know, another one of those guys at linebacker who's outstanding. Yeah, all really, really good playing. Some great players there. In fact, uh, the one that you know, it's it's if you really thought we needed a running back, then not taking Chubb is the most egregious to me because not only is he just freaking damn good, Nick Chubb is amazing. I think he's actually underrated, and I think pretty pretty grossly so. In fact. And it's just it's just the idea that I also don't think we needed a running back at that point. You know, it's like I think it was. A bit of a flinch, a bit of a, a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction to a couple of injuries, and then we took a dude that uh, my gut tells me they 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 were probably trying to make another trade and it just didn't happen. But I mean, man, <laughs> Darius Leonard is is a beast on the field. He's all over. He's on the ball every play. Ridley has just been. He's 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 coming to a true WR one where it's one of those things where you know Julio Julio is. We'll talk about first first ballot guys. Julio's a Hall of Famer who's now now entering the, the the latter years, and Ridley is right there, ready to take over that that number one slot. He's almost like Devontae Adams a couple of years ago, who was like clearly ready to be, you know, a, a true number one in the entire league. So yeah, a lot of talent there. But but I do want to just give Penny a chance, and if it's like Penny plus Carson. Uh, or Carson plus Penny, rather, um, and they both stay healthy. We saw what that could be. So I, I want to just say that there's still a shot that that ends up being a decent pick, and uh, and they help us go win a Super Bowl. If that happens, all is forgiven. We can take it out of the out column entirely. Shoot, maybe in a future show we'll be talking about how John Ursua is in the in column because <laughs> the Seahawks <laughs> traded back into the draft in 2019 and picked up John Ursua. Yeah, well, you know, when, when we're talking about things that are still a little bit loose on this team, there's two big things that come to mind. Cornerback still feels oof, a, a little a little loose for me. You know, I know we got some players. Um, we have a little bit of depth. To me, not too much depth. And we have to see what Akello can do, and and just see just see if he can be the guy that that they thought he was uh, back when back when he got taken and we took Shaquille Griffin. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But the other one I've been charging at is that is that third wide receiver. I'm still a John Ursua truther. And it's simply because it's not like I, I know the dude that well, but it's like the time he got, I'm not just talking about that one catch against the Packers, but the preseason stuff, just seeing him like the dude knows how to get open and catch the football. So maybe, maybe Brandon, John Ursua is still in our future. And if not, then we then we have our guy from the FCF and we'll uh, and we'll we'll be happy that way too. I but here's the thing. I do feel like it's easier to find a third wide receiver, you know, so, somehow, some way, than it is to find a second starting cornerback. You just go out and sign Andrew Jamil and then you're done that's at wide it. receiver, and that's uh that's what you gotta do. 
A big thanks for everybody who joined us in Locker Room. Corbin, Jalen for coming in to chat. And uh, yeah, if you want to join us, LockerRoom.app. You can follow me at Seahawkra. Hopefully those notifications are coming through when we go live. And until next week, Clinton, I think there's only one thing left to say. Yeah, go Hawks. Go Hawks.